Amen. Let's join together. Let me pivot for a second and draw your attention to John 11:35. As as soon as I give you the reference, many of you already know what I'm going to say. The Bible simply says Jesus wept. It's just a two-word phrase, a, a two-word sermon. It's the shortest verse in your Bible. It's one of those verses that we all learn in Sunday school because it's easy. It's, uh, it, but if there's more to it than just its brevity. If you take a minute and, and begin to look at it in its context, you'll find that it opens the viewfinder for the reader to find out about a compassionate Christ. There's two words. Those two words release a view of the great eternal wonder robed in flesh. It allows us to see that God senses emotion. He cried. He hoped. He wished. He had those feelings that we all have occasionally. In this simple, little, tiny, two-word verse, we get to see the heart of Jesus. It compels us to feel his compassion, to sense his hurt, and understand his value of being vulnerable in those moments with his disciples. He wanted us to know, it's just two words, that weeping wasn't weakness. There's much to learn from simply two words, but I'm not preaching from that text tonight. I'd like to leave you with two other words. Not Jesus wept, but rather Jesus slept. Jesus slept. It also indicates to us of his humanity. It tells us about the weariness that could enter his body. It tells us about how he just kind of slipped away and, and just took a few minutes away from the crowds that they had been with and then away from the disciples who were there with him. And then even his inner circle, he stepped away from them and he found a spot all by himself. And the Bible tells us that he got a pillow together in the, in the hinder part of the ship and he went to sleep. Jesus slept. Jesus slept. It's just another verse that piles on the evidence to tell us about how God was robed in flesh. It releases a picture of his humanity. It tells us a little bit about who this Jesus was. He took time to sleep. There's a, there's a beautiful innocence to sleep. There isn't uh, perhaps much more beautiful than, than looking at a brand new baby just sleeping. Sleeping. I, I don't have to go there. I'm not going to go there about babies and sleeping and but you know I we even take a moment I take pictures of our dog when she's sleeping I occasionally take pictures of Kathy when she's sleeping Ah. not many mind you my phone's available for her to check just that peaceful sleep just that peaceful sleep. So in the natural, we all know that sleep is beneficial. In the natural, we know that it helps us do the work that we need to do. We know that if we have a night of good rest in the morning after, then we're ready to go. We're active. We're, we're ready to kind of get after it. We, we're ready to go. But if we don't get a night of good sleep, look out. We need, we need the caffeine. We need that coffee being poured quickly. And, and we need all that at work in our lives. But, but rest has a powerful act in our, in our lives. And, and people now in the natural have trouble sleeping. People have trouble sleeping. A CTV article just from this past year stated this, if you're having trouble sleeping, you're not alone. Symptoms of insomnia have increased by 42% from 2007 to the year 2015 among Canadian adults. This is according to a Statistics Canada data that was released in 2018. They, said, they went on to say sleep of 
poor quality and short duration is linked to a number of adverse health outcomes such as obesity, depression, and cardiovascular disease. Now we have sleep apps, calm apps, calming stories to slow our mind and put us to sleep. I don't know if you use that or not. We have sleep aids. We have, I read that melatonin sales have exploded. You can purchase them right there along with your eye drops and your antiacid tums. They're right there on the same counter, right there in the same aisle. And, and, and I, I want us to know that Pastor Jack's not preaching against sleep. Sleep isn't all bad. I know that God sometimes uses sleep. He used sleep with Adam. Adam slept while God did the wonderful surgery to make him a wife. From his rib. Jacob slept and he saw angels ascending and descending on ladders. His pillow became an altar and the place of sleep became known as Bethel, the house of God. Joseph slept and he dreamed a dream that he refused to let go of, and as a result, he saved his entire world. Sleep isn't all bad. I haven't come to kind of down sleep tonight, but I want to I want to let us know that there are other times when it's perilous to sleep. It's perilous to go to sleep sometimes. Sometimes the Bible is calling us to be alert, to be vigilant, not to let ourselves get kind of just lulled to sleep. And, and can I just tell you that there is an enemy at work in our world right now who has perfected the lullaby in this last age, and he wants a church to be lulled to sleep. It was Sardis in Revelation, the book of Revelation in chapter 6, that they had just got lulled to sleep. They had just kind of they just kind of got wayside, off by the wayside. They got, okay, they, got, they got all distracted and turned around and maybe they got a little bit weary with all of the activity that they were doing and they just kind of got lulled to sleep. But this isn't a time for a church to be asleep. Perilous things happen when the church goes to sleep and Jesus was very intentional about letting us know that we had to be awake and that we had to be aware. Matthew chapter 13 and 25, he gave us this warning. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. I want us to, to know tonight that, that God is saying to the church, don't fall asleep right now because if you fall asleep, then the enemy just wants to make his way in and sow some tears and just when you think everything's going fine and just when you think that the harvest is growing great it, somewhere in the middle of your sleep somewhere in the middle middle of you not being careful the enemy has come in and he's planted tears and before long you're going to go to harvest the harvest and it's not going to be there because the enemy came in while you slept and he planted tears now is not the time to be put to sleep and I know that the world has slowed us all down. It's put us on house arrest. It's got us all kind of slowed up. But now, church, is not the time for us to go to sleep. If there was ever a day for us to be vigilant, and if there was ever a day for us to be more careful than we've ever been before, this is that day. This is that day. It was the springtime when they would sow, but it was in that springtime. He said, don't, don't let your guard down. Don't go to sleep. Watchmen of the harvest field, don't, come on, don't put your back on what God is investing us in right now. He has a harvest. I don't want to sleep while God is preparing the harvest. It was harvest time. Another scripture that was mentioned. 
Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5, it says, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. It may seem like everything's slowed up, but that doesn't negate the fact that we are in harvest season right now. It's a harvest like we didn't anticipate. It's a harvest that we didn't expect. It's, it's a season that we're not really sure. We're, we're trying to figure out where our footing is right now. We're trying to figure out what our next step needs to be. But can I remind somebody right now, this is not the time to go to sleep. This isn't the time for us to kind of put our head on the pillow. This is not that season. It was the end time tale that Jesus told of five wise and five foolish virgins. It says that they took their lamps and took no oil with them. Verse 4, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, what does the scripture say? They all slumbered and slept. Everybody was sleeping and slumbering. And there was going to be a call that's coming that's going to separate those individuals, half are going to be taken and half are going to be left. But it was in that season of sleeping and slumbering where people that were prepared were ready, but people that weren't missed out. The bridegroom came and the cry was made, go ye out to meet him. And the Bible says, then all of those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Everybody got ready. The wick wasn't gone everybody yet the wick was still there it was still prepared but the oil had run out they may have trimmed the wick but the flame had been gone it was missed that opportunity was missed and the wise they were ready but the foolish said to them they said give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out but the wise answered saying not so lest there not be enough for us and you but go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves and while they went to buy the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him into the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And, and this, this concerns me. That He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. It strikes me as we preach this verse about having oil in our lamps. That's necessary. We need the Spirit at work in our lives. We need that. But Jesus' summary of that sentences, those sentences, wasn't to have oil in our lamps. The Bible says in Matthew 25 and verse 13, his admonition, the word that he gave us in that moment after that parable was told. I don't know if it was a parable or a true story. But, but let me just tell you that, that at the end of that parable, at the end of that story, at the end of that sermon, he said, he, he didn't say make sure you have enough oil. He said, watch therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. His, his admonition was don't go to sleep. Don't take that time and go to sleep. I'll tell you why. Because if they had been awake, if they had been watching, they would have realized, hey, the oil in our lamp is getting low. And they would have went to get oil before it was too late. If they had just stayed awake, their time, that season that they had been placed there, that time of waiting, the admonition that Jesus gave was watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. It's not time to go to sleep. It's time to be awake. It's time to be on the lookout. The trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Let me tell you that God is coming back for a people in this day, in this hour, and we can be caught sleeping. We can not be caught sleeping. It's a reminder to remain vigilant. 
Scripture said if the good man of the house had known and what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be so ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. I want to remind our homes and I want to remind our families. I want to remind the heads of our household, whether that's a mom or a dad, I want to remind you that right now it's time to be on the lookout for an enemy. It's not time to sleep. It's not time to think, well, everything's going to be all right. It's time for us to be intentional about communicating with our families and making sure that they are right with God, making sure that their spirit's right, making sure that their attitudes are right, making sure that they're in the word of God, making sure that they're spiritually okay if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up there's a warning in the word tonight someone needs to hear that it's time come on it's kind of time to do a little house cleaning it's time to do a little housekeeping it's time to check in with the people that we're with every single day right now it's time to check in and say is, is everything all right how are you doing how are you doing spiritual spiritually how are you doing emotionally how how are you doing how how's our relationship and and how is your relationship with God if right now the Lord comes back are you ready to be go come on to go home with him are you ready to return with him it's not time to go to sleep. And I understand sleep dulls the pain. Sleep distracts. Sleep passes the time when we're bored. There's nothing like going to sleep on a four-hour trip and waking up two hours later and you're halfway there. Love it. I, lo I, lo I, like, the I, lo I like that about sleep. I'm a morning person. Eric put out a... Uh, the question of the day this week was, are you a morning person or a night person? Everybody responding. I said, I'm definitely a morning person. I, man, if it's after 10 o'clock and I get horizontal, I'm out. I'm asleep, usually because I get up in the morning. That's not a criticism of anybody. That's a, a night person. I know that you're awake when I'm sleeping. So, But the key, I think, that the word has given us right now is that it's not time to be spiritually asleep. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Romans 13 and verse 11, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. But Pastor Jack, I'm tired. I know we're tired, but this isn't the time to go to sleep. We're tired of the storm. We're tired of, of waiting. We're tired of, you know, anybody just get a little frustrated with the timeline that we're getting right now? Isaiah 21 and verse 11, the burden of Duma. Isaiah the prophet spoke, and he said, He calleth to me out of seer, watchman, what of the night? What of the night? Better interpreted, that verse says this, how many hours left? to this dark night. How many hours left? Watch, man, what time is it? I fell asleep somewhere along the way, but what time is it? I, I, I just want someone to know tonight that there's a call that's being made right now. It's too late to go back to sleep. The morning's coming. Come on, it's time to get ready for what God is about to do in our world. This is not the time. We cannot afford to go to sleep. I understand the call to stay inside. But my fear is the real danger that we fall asleep. Stay awake in this season of darkness. It's not just stay inside. It's stay awake. 
Stay awake in this season of the storm. It's not time to go to sleep. It's my understanding that EMTs and medical professionals ask victims of serious accidents to stay awake. It seems out of order for me, untrained, unknowing, and all of the medical professionals just perked up. But I don't understand that. I, I don't know if it's just what we see coming across the screen or if it's the reality. But it, over and over again, you see when people are are kind of nodding off in a traumatic accident. They're saying, stay with me, stay awake. And, and it's my understanding that EMTs and medical professionals ask vic victims of serious accidents to please stay awake. Sleeping may let them escape the pain, but the reality is, and I read somebody, they said, we ask them to stay awake because it helps us assess how they're feeling. It gives us a better idea about what's happening on the inside of them. If their heart rate begins to race, if they begin to communicate with me, I can't breathe very well. My airway is restricted. I don't understand what's happening. In that moment, they have that feedback. If somebody stays awake, if somebody's there with them, they're, they're, they're there exercising their will to live. If they're awake, if they're awake in that moment, they can keep the healthcare workers apprised of what's happening around them, that how they feel, the awareness that they have. So staying awake is extremely important in moments of distress and in moments of tra trauma. It's important. Why? In short, they have a better chance of survival if they can stay awake. I'd like to pull that over into the supernatural right now. You have a better chance of survival, spiritual survival, if you'll just stay awake. It's not time to go to sleep. You see, we've got to be able to make the switch that we're in right now to where church isn't what we do here in this building. But it's about what's happening right now in our living rooms. Church is more. Come on, it's more than just this building. The church is this active force at work in the world that we're in. And God can't afford for the church to be sleeping right now. Now God needs you wide awake and active. God needs you working. God needs you tilling the, come on, tilling the harvest out of the field right now. That is what God is looking for. And we've got to be able to make the shift over so that God can move in our living rooms and God can move in our cars and God can move wherever we're hearing this message right now that we have the courage and come on that the boldness to lift our voice wherever we are I just commend somebody right now that's lifting your voice in your home that's your home you put that roof over your family right now so go ahead and have the courage to praise God Joshua as for me and my house we will serve the Lord we're gonna serve him I I was with our, our daughter and our son-in-law this uh, November, this December, one of those months we were there and, and uh, we were in a parking lot and I watched as a gentleman pulled up a great big huge SUV. I watched as the door opened and a carpet was rolled out on the pavement beside that vehicle and he got out of his vehicle and he got down and he was very diligent in what he was doing. He had a great amount of respect, but he had no shame in kneeling his knee in the middle of a shopping mall parking lot so he could pray. So I just kind of got a question. What's going on in our mind when we don't have the courage to lift our voice, lift our hands, or let God's spirit have free reign under our own roofs, in our own parking lots? Come on, in our own city. It's time for the church to be the church.
And if we'll let that shift occur, there is no telling what God could do right now in a living room. There's no telling what God could do right now in a family. There's no telling what God could do right now in a hospital. There's no telling what God could do. It's happening. Somebody say it's happening. It's happening right now. I, I'm celebrating pastor. We have a, an, an office text that transfers through our whole team. And, and, and if somebody gets a report, we just kind of let our whole team know. And I just wanted to let you in a little bit because it is happening. The people that are catching this wave of what God is calling the church to be right now are experiencing powerful, powerful things happening. There was one text that came through. It said, came to pastor. It says, what a powerful service this morning. This morning. This came this afternoon. The Lord spoke to us through this powerful message. My wife and I were delighted to hear this amazing message that God placed on Pastor Woodward. We both had lost our Bibles. And we had allowed idols to come into our temples, our homes, our lives. But we wept into repentance. Our Bibles are now found. Thank you, Pastor Woodward, for allowing God's spirit to speak through you to us. I'm telling you that if we'll let God move, if we'll let him, God will work. If we'll allow him the privilege of moving in our homes, there's going to be some barriers put up. There's going to be some powerful moves of God that will occur. I'm grateful for what God is doing in this season. We got feedback from our Easter services of families that gathered together in devotion, families that had communion together. And it wasn't just eating a dry old cracker and drinking a little bit of juice down. It was a powerful moment with God in our families' homes right there. Why? Because we kind of stepped out and said, we're not going to be lulled to sleep in this season. We're going to let the power of God work. Got a note from another one of our dads yesterday. He said, we had a great time of family devotion last night. I felt a spirit of boldness and declared a word over my family. Thank you, Todd. God is neither hindered by government, the medical community, nor viruses. If the world says no gatherings and stay apart, and the church respectfully, respectfully follows those rules, then God will not be obstructed. I declared that God would start pouring out his spirit in homes, and that my children would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our home before long. He said, I felt it. I spoke it. I believe it. And God is going to do the miraculous. I'm telling you right now that God can minister in your room, in your home, wherever you are, the same way that I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost right here in this room, right now. Thanking God for that. Another minister, pastor in Catalyst, Maine, wrote pastor, said, my family was watching your service before ours and praying with you folks when you prayed healing and had viewers put their hand on their heads. My wife did that and she just realized that pain in her foot has subsided. She said, it was agonizing last night. He said, I figured I'd share this testimony with all of you. Thank you, Brother Rafferty, for that testimony. I'm believing God is continuing and completing that healing. Why? Because now's not the time to sleep. Let God arise and let his enemy be scattered. That's just the way that God works. And we've been praying for Brother Eli Hernandez. Can I bring you a victory report on top of all the other reports, on top of everything else we've heard? I don't know how many have seen this, but I'm celebrating tonight. Since today marks 40 days since Brother Hernandez was sedated in the early morning hours of March the 25th in an attempt to keep his body fighting COVID-19. The term 40 days occurs 25 times in the Bible and always indicates a time, 
of testing. It says on Wednesday of this week, the doctors gave Brother Hernandez only two days to live. On Friday, the doctors finally relented and allowed Sister Kathy Hernandez to spend 15 minutes in his room. She prayed over him in the Holy Ghost. I wish you would right now in your room. Frankly, this was granted because the doctors had done all they could do. It was the end in their opinion. And Sister Kathy bravely said, it's in the hands of God. Chaplains and hospital personnel were waiting for her in the hallway to console and to comfort her. She left the hospital knowing that it might be the last time that she would see her husband on this side of eternity. She awaited the next phone call with dread and it came late Saturday afternoon. A new weekend team, doctor and nurse called. The young male nurse said, I went into the room and I introduced myself to Mr. Hernandez, laying there still on the bed, but he said his head moved. He said, Mr. Hernandez, can you hear me? And he nodded his head, yes. I asked, are you in pain? He shook his head, no. He said, I went to get the doctor because I was in shock. Actually, we really thought he wasn't inside there anymore. The doctor ordered a scan on his heart that had an enlarged right side and said the scan shows that the heart is now normal. Never, he said, the doctor said, never in my medical experience have I had to call a family back to tell them there may be hope yet. He is still extremely critical, but I think there are some things right now that can help him. I think there's some things that could help him right now to CCC and family, church family beyond the borders of our walls. I, I wonder if somebody right now would lift your hands and begin to pray that God would complete a healing work in Brother Hernandez. We've got to be willing to speak and now isn't the time for the church to fall asleep. We need a victory report about what God could do in COVID-19 in Brother Hernandez and we're going to pray about it in the power of Jesus' name. God, we're declaring right now, you are the healer, you are the deliverer. Father, right here, God, let this simple prayer be a part of the many prayers that are being prayed. God, this is a church that refuses to sleep when you want to work. So God, right now, let your healing be released into his body. Gift every doctors with wisdom that they didn't learn. God, let nurses be filled with knowledge that they never got from any textbook, got from any experience with any patients. And we trust God that the great physician is moving in that room right now. We declare it by the power of the name of Jesus. I know. I know we're a little ramped up tonight. But there's something about calling on the name of the Lord. There's something about relying on the power of God and crying out. So why? Why when the church shouldn't, can't sleep in this end times? Did Jesus sleep? I don't know. I don't know the reason why, but let me throw a couple maybes at you. The first one you already know. Maybe he was really, really tired. Maybe. Maybe he was just tired. His humanity was showing. Preaching took everything out of him. Teaching just kind of exhausted him and he had nothing left to give. So maybe that was it. Or maybe, maybe the second thing would be is that it was just simply a test. Maybe he was waiting for his disciples to step out 
and be who he had called them to be. We know that he was upset about their level of faith. He had already said, let us pass to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. We know that, that he had already declared that they were going to the other side. So in that moment when they found him in, the, in that hinder part of the ship, the scripture says, asleep on a pillow, they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Maybe he did it so they would know that he did care. Because the Bible tells us he arose and he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly like all of us would do. We can come back to the music. They feared exceedingly. They asked one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That may be why he slept. But as I think back through the story, I've got to begin to wonder to myself. There's so much happening in scripture and unless you pause and just, like Sister Melanie Shock says, eat the bread. We can't really know for certain. But we know that Jesus allowed disciples that had experience with boats and storms. He allowed them to go through a season, a season where they had walked with experience before. And sometimes when we walk in seasons where we've had experience before, we tend to act with our physical, natural abilities. We tend to respond according to the strength that lies in us. We know somewhere along the line that the storm had started and they didn't bother to look for Jesus. Somewhere along the line, I don't know if it was a rainstorm or not. We know that I'm guessing that the wind was, was blowing because the Bible says that the waves entered the ship until it was full. But that begins to make me cause to wonder, why did you wait that long before you woke the master up? Why did you wait all that time? I'm confident. I'm confident that Jesus was abundantly able but I think sometimes it was a test in the midst of the storm to let them know that you can't walk ever. You can't ever walk through this spiritual journey with your human ability. You can't ever encounter a spiritual enemy by your intellect or your ability. You can't do it. You just got to rely and rest on what God is able to do. You got to rest in the fact that he put faith in your spirit 
that every man is given the measure of faith and you got to dig that faith out. You got to activate it. You got to get it working in the middle of the storm that you're in. But why would they wait that long before they sought his help, before they sought his assistance? He's waiting. He's waiting on them as the waves lap up over the side of the boat. At first, it's not much. They just kind of shrug their shoulders and look at one another and, and say, oh, that reminds me of the last time. Remember, the last time we were in a storm like this. Remember, the last time we experienced this storm like this. And, and we made out, all right, we'll just keep on going. But the wind was incessant. The rain kept coming. I Maybe the rain kept coming. Maybe the thunder started on the horizon. The lightning was flashing there. And, and they still didn't bother to wake up Christ. They didn't wake up up the Bible says until the boat was full and that's what causes me to pause and wonder why did you wait so long to call on God why did you wait until there was no hope left at all I I mean he's going to perform the miraculous he he's going to work in the way that he works he can but why do you have to wait until the boat is full isn't that just like you and isn't that just like me Until it's gone beyond what our ability can handle or solve. I get a kick out of problem solving. Not math. Not calculus. I mean problem solving like my tires thumping. That kind of problem solving. Or we don't have time. But I think the question we have to ask ourselves is how bad does this storm have to get before we seek him? That's one question. How bad until we begin to look? You know, Jesus, he could, he could, have, he could have not gone to sleep at all. He's God. I think it's great that the disciples didn't go to sleep in this storm. I think that's awesome. I think it's great. I think it's great that they were active and engaged, but I think that they were... Well, we don't know that they didn't sleep. At some point, it became too bad for them to handle on their own. Maybe they had just kind of nodded off. But Jesus could have been right there amongst them. But he wasn't. He had slipped away. So how bad does the storm have to get before you seek him is the question. Someone say seek. How bad does our world have to get before we look for him? And sometimes people just look for him. There's just part two. Hang on. Sometimes people just look for him because they want a quick solution to an impossible problem. But by the time the disciples found Jesus... I'm going to guess that he wasn't below the deck of the ship because the Bible says the ship was full. But he had made his way to the very far distant place. But they came looking for him. They came looking for him because of the impossibility. But verse 2, they came looking for him. And they realized that they couldn't handle this on their own. So number one, how bad does the storm have to be before you seek him? But number two is how bad does the storm have to be before you call him your master? That's what they called him, master. 
do you care that we perish? In the midst of this storm of chaos that's happening around us right now, I wonder if we could just intentionally seek God, that we would seek him. But number two, not that we would just look for him to bring the answer to the problem, the problem that faces us, the problem in our homes, the problem in our bodies, the problem in our lives. But I wonder, I wonder if we would call him our master and for him to become the master of our lives means that we walk in a life of repentance, that we turn away from sin and we turn toward righteousness, that we turn toward God and we make a determination in our spirit that we want to walk with him. Lord, would you be the master of our lives? And I'm convinced and I'm confident in the word of God tonight that when we do that, he will speak peace in the midst of our storm. You see that two word question, complexity, Jesus slept, became a three word sermon, a statement, a declaration, peace, be still. And the Bible says, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I believe that God's gonna bring calm into somebody's life tonight. I believe that God's going to speak peace into the chaos that's happening around you right now. I believe that God can heal, deliver, and set free. I believe that God could change the environment that seems like it's impossible in your life. I believe that God can still your storm. I'm pausing, not because I... I don't know what to do. I'm finished with the sermon, but I'm pausing because I believe that the Holy Ghost is helping somebody right now. I'm pausing because I believe that the Holy Ghost is letting you have a clearer picture of what's happening right now so you will turn to Him. Someone needs to seek Him tonight. Someone has to look for Him right now. Someone needs to, come on, you just need to move toward God, whatever that looks like. If it means just turning around and kneeling your knees on your floor right now and begin to call on God, I would encourage you to let that happen. If it, if it means that, that you just bow your head and you close your eyes and you close everything else out and you invite God into the middle of what's happening. If you if you would seek him right now, he would be found of you. He You, would, you wouldn't be looking for, for him for very long. He's not that far away. The boat's not that big tonight. He's available. He's just waiting for you to come and find him. He's waiting for you to come and call on him and he's waiting to become your master tonight. Father, I thank you. God, for every heart. God, that's being redirected right now. I thank you for repentance that's occurring in lives. I thank you, Jesus, for challenge that's been issued. God, I thank you for individuals, young people, elders, everybody in between. God, right now that are sensing that call to become a part of what you want us to be in this end time. God, don't let us wait too long. Don't let us wait until our opportunity has been missed. I pray, Jesus, that we would. God, don't let us go to sleep in this storm. 
but God, I pray that we would be awake, that we'd be vigilant. God, at the first signs of the wrong things that are happening around us, you need a, a church that will rise up and will call on you. You need someone, God, that will turn away from sin and redirect their attention to your word, redirect their attention to you, the work that you want to do in their lives, redirect their attention to you. That's a repentance that you want to, that, that you want to happen in their life. God, let the seed of your word bring fulfillment, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing this song a few times. It'd be all right if you sang it with us. You're all. 